Well, Christ has come. That is what we celebrate this time of year. And the question we're going to be wrestling with today, as we look into his, into his scriptures, is why Bethlehem? There's some amazing places he could have chosen. Grand Canyon is one of them. Have, have any of you guys ever seen the Grand Canyon? Or, yeah, or, and I think if you haven't already seen it, you hope to, to see it one day. It's one of those just spectacular places. Or the Rocky Mountains. Whatever, USA, you have some great places you could have been born here, right? The, the, the Rocky Mountains are gorgeous. How many have ever been there? I mean, how many hope to someday? It, I mean, it's just, it, they're beautiful, absolutely beautiful, stunningly beautiful. And then there's the oceans. How many have ever seen the ocean? Isn't it, oceans is beautiful. There's a reason why so many people flock to the coastline and poets have gone there and musicians have gone there. There's some great places. If you just had the time, just had the money to visit. I've never been to a tropical island, but I've heard they are amazing. Amazing. I've never been to the Swiss Alps. I've heard they've got a beauty uh, that's just incredible. I'm a big fan of of desert landscapes. Southwest, I've never seen the Sahara, but you you see the pictures. Just beautiful. And even Minnesota, right? We got something here. We got some stuff here. North Shore. Little stable on the North Shore. Right? Beautiful. Red Wing in the fall. Huh? Come on. Come on. Really? I I think it's beautiful. I think it's beautiful. And the snow, you know, as much as, you know, a lot of us, we've been so used to this that we think shoveling and all that kind of stuff. For people who haven't seen snow, I mean, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And before you start, you know, cussing and all that stuff about the shoveling and things, at least stop and go, man, this is like living in a snow globe today. Isn't it? Isn't it? It, There's so many beautiful places, so many amazing places, breathtaking places that God could have chosen. And if God is who the Bible says he is, then God created all this. So God's seen all this. And God could have chosen any of these places to, to be the site. Here's my son in the fullness of time. I'm sending him into this world. Look where I chose. And you should all take a pilgrimage there because it's just amazing. It's stellar. Why did God choose Bethlehem? This is the question we're going to wrestle with. This is a question I'd encourage you to write in your notes. We have these blue note pages here. This is what we're going to talk about today. Why did God choose Bethlehem as the birthplace of Jesus? Now, I haven't been to Bethlehem myself. There were some people at the 9 o'clock service who have. Anybody here been to Bethlehem? A number of you have. Now, let me ask the question real quick. Would you have gone there if Jesus hadn't been born there? Would that have been on your bucket list? Probably, no, not at all. Right? In fact, it's pretty dangerous to go there these days. But, but it, so here's this place that none of us would have said, I want to go there. I want to make a pilgrimage there. Some of these other places we might have, right? Some of the mountains and the oceans, we might have said, I want to go there anyway. Bonus that that's where Jesus was born. Why Bethlehem? Well, if you're not familiar with where Bethlehem is, let's do a real quick uh, look at that. Here is the Eastern Hemisphere. Now, if we zero in on the Middle East, you can see that area that they've lightened up a little bit. That's the region. Now we're zooming in a little bit more. Most everyone in this room, if not everyone's heard of Jerusalem. Can you see it on the map before we go to the next slide? Everybody see it? See Jerusalem? Red star right there? Okay. Now let's zoom in on Jerusalem. And there's Bethlehem. Bethlehem is about six, seven miles from Jerusalem. It's roughly the distance from Jerusalem that we are from Northwestern College or uh, Rosedale Mall. Some of you may have heard of that area this time of year. Um, okay, that's, that's the distance that, that, that Bethlehem was from Jerusalem. Why 
that little dot on the map. Now, at the time of Jesus' birth, Bethlehem is best they can put things together. They believe it was a town of about a thousand people or less. Uh, it's a town that had some historical importance in the Bible before Jesus, but 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 not the kind of things that maybe would, would grab our attention. Um, if you want to get better at Bible trivia, here's a couple things about Bethlehem. Uh, there was a man named Jacob who later God changed his name to Israel, as in the nation of Israel. He had a wife named Rachel, and she died near Bethlehem as she was giving birth to, to one of his sons. Uh, the area surrounding Bethlehem is featured in the book of Ruth. And under a king named Rehoboam, just you guys are passionate about this, huh? This Bible trivia. Um, Bethlehem was fortified as part of a defensive network around Jerusalem. None of that would make you say, oh, man, got to get there, right? Well, it, that, that's not the deeper significance that Bethlehem had to the Jewish people. The city of Bethlehem did have a deep significance to them because the, the Jewish people considered themselves to be children of great promise. And included in this great promise was one day a ruler, a leader, a shepherd, a king, like their greatest king, King David, was going to come again. And this king was going to be like David. And this king was going to do what David did. He would be a new leader who would restore their hopes and dreams. Here's why Bethlehem was on the radar of so many Jewish people who were familiar with the words of the prophets of old. There's a place to write this down in your notes. Bethlehem is linked to David. Bethlehem was linked to God's promise that a son of David would once again shepherd his people. That's where Bethlehem comes into the significance uh, of people, at least people who knew their scriptures, the scriptures they had at the time. Bethlehem was linked to God's promise that a son of David would once again shepherd his people. Let's look at a couple of these examples. I'm going to show you some examples that come from what we now call the Old Testament section of our Bible. And these are ancient, ancient prophecies. The first one we're going to look at comes from a prophet named, Isaiah, prophet named Isaiah. Now, this one, just so you can put it on a timeline, this comes about 200 years after the death of David. All right, so it's been at least 200 years since David died, and it comes more than 600 years before Jesus comes to be born in Bethlehem. So that's the timing here. And this is the prophecy. It says this. This is out of Isaiah chapter 11, starting with verse 1. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. Now, you might be saying to yourself, Jesse, that doesn't look like David. What was, does anyone know what Jesse's relation to David was? He was his father. Very good. Jesse was David's father. So from this Jesse, there would be a descendant of David, that, that this branch is going to come, and his roots shall bear fruit, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. All right, here's another example. This is from a person who is roughly a contemporary of Isaiah, a person named Hosea. He prophesied these words. It says this in Hosea chapter 3, verse 5. Afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God. And, say it with me, David their king. Now, David had been dead for 200 years. So are they talking about the David that was dead? No, they're talking about some descendant of David, the king. And he shall come in the fear of the Lord and his goodness to the latter days. Here's another example of another prophet. And this one comes a little bit later. This is Ezekiel. He was about 400 years after the death of King David, about 500 years before the birth of Christ. Ezekiel in chapter 37, verse 24 says this, my servant David, again, he'd been dead 400 years, so it has to be talking about a descendant of his somehow. My servant David shall be king over them. And they shall all have one shepherd. They shall walk in my rules and be careful to obey my statutes. Let me give you one more. 
And let me set this one up a little bit. Um, Frequently, we comment in here about how at the time of Jesus' arrival, a lot of people weren't expecting a Messiah like Jesus. They were expecting a, a ruler, a military general or king to come in, cast the people out. And sometimes we give them a hard time. They're like, well, how did you miss it? Why did you think that, you crazy people? Why didn't you think Jesus was going to do what he did? Well, the reason they thought that is because verses like this. The Bible seems to say that. I mean, look at this. This is one of these prophecies attributed to the son of David. They were looking for a ruler like this. Behold, the days are coming. This is out of Jeremiah 33, 14, starting at verse 14. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise that I made to the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for, say it with me, David. And look what, they, what, what the word says was going to happen. He will execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved. Jerusalem will dwell securely. And this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. For thus says the Lord, David shall never lack a man to sit on the throne of the house of Israel. And the Levitical priest shall never lack a man in my presence to offer burnt offerings, to burn grain offerings, and to make the sacrifices forever. So can you see why they were expecting a ruler like that? This would mean yes and... Can you see? Oh, sorry, just, let's get engaged here. I just want to make sure you're with me. Okay, um, Christmas list can wait. Christmas list can wait, okay? And the snow, it's going to be there. It's going to be there. All right, so here we go. The, the, they were expecting this, okay? They were expecting this, this, this deliverer. They were, they, were, they were hoping, deeply longing for this. And the reason they were longing for it so deeply is the times were dark. The times were dark. They were hopeful for this promise, because the Jewish people had been defeated and scattered throughout the world. And powerful nations have been occupying their lands for centuries. They're like, you, you promised God that, that, uh, that, that someone of David's going to be sitting on the throne. He's not. He's not. And then you also promised God the Levitical priest will never lack a man in my presence to offer burnt offerings. Here at that time, at that place, the, so many who were in the priesthood, those who were overseeing the temple, were corrupt. They were little more than vassals of whatever government was in place. And they do what it would take to pacify them. It had been hundreds of years since the prophets last spoke. Unspeakable blasphemies had been committed in their temple. Unspeakable atrocities had been committed against their people. And from time to time, a leader would rise up and hope would rise up. And then whatever government was in charge would crush it. Would crush it. And so the people longed for this. They longed for a return of a savior like David. If we could go to the next slide. Here's, here's some things that were true about David that the people believed, oh, at least many of the people believed, that would be true of this, this savior, this new king. David was a man after God's own heart. David was a good shepherd. David was the giant killer. The story of David and Goliath, is, we're talking about the same David here. And David was a great king. Okay, so there's David. What's the connection then between David and Bethlehem? Well, if you're, if you're like me, there's sometimes you're reading the Bible and you get a little confused because there's a bunch of Herods, there's a bunch of Josephs, you know, and so you're like, wait a minute, and there's a bunch of Marys, and you're like, well, who, what, wait, I thought, there's at least two cities of David that come to mind, two places. One of them is a portion of the city of Jerusalem. A portion of the city of Jerusalem would call the city of David. 
That's not what we're talking about in the Christmas story. In the Christmas story, we're talking about the city of Bethlehem. The city of Bethlehem was known to be the city of David. I believe I have that as something you can write in your notes as well. Bethlehem was known as the city of David. And how do we know that? Let's take a look at some of the scriptures. You know, some of these things are maybe things you've heard before, but you haven't actually seen where does this come from. Why do we call Bethlehem the city of David? Well, one of the reasons we do is because of a man named Luke, a real first century physician. And he set out, he even said it right in his, his work. He said, I'm setting out to do a, a, an, accurate, an accurate account of what's happened here among us. This Jesus of Nazareth, I want to give you an accurate account of that. And one of the things that I love as a former skeptic is he is accurate. When they find the archaeology that, 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 that is... Um, that is reflective of the types of places and things that, that Luke talked about. So far, he's been 100% on. When he says a place was where he says it was, it was there. When he describes a custom, it was proven true. So this guy is accurate. And here's one of the things that Luke says. He says in Luke chapter 2, verse 4, as he's trying to do this accurate account of Jesus, he says, And Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, that's where Joseph was from, to Judea, to the city of what? David, which is called Bethlehem. The city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because Joseph was of the house and lineage of David. Okay, well, why does Luke say that? Why does Luke say this, that Bethlehem is the city of David? Well, Luke says it because Luke had done his homework. Luke had done his homework. If you go to the Old Testament, take a look at some of these passages. When the prophet Samuel was searching for God's chosen servant, where did he go? Please say it out loud. He went to Bethlehem. When, when, when the prophet Samuel was searching for God's chosen servant, who was David, he went to Bethlehem. David grew up in what city, what vicinity? In Bethlehem. And as an adult, David refers to what city as his city, at least in this account? Bethlehem. And this is, this is golden. When an angel says this, when the angel says, today is born to you in the city of David, a, a savior who's Christ the Lord, where did the shepherds say, oh, we're going to go to? We're going to go to Bethlehem. So at the time, at the place, Bethlehem was considered a city of David. Well, hopefully these links are starting to fall into place of how this all fits together. They were hoping for a, a son of David who was going to come. They believed that, that Bethlehem was the city of David. Well, if they were to continue to, to have read in their scriptures, they'd come across passages like this. This is out of Micah chapter 5, verses, starting with verse 2. Oh, but you, O oh Bethlehem are too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you shall come forth for me one who is to be the ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is of old, ancient days. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. Now, there are times, and this is one of them, where I wish so many of us hadn't heard the Christmas story before. And the reason is because I think sometimes we just become inoculated to it. We just become inoculated. Oh, Jesus, yeah, he's born in a stable and born in Bethlehem. And it's just, for many of us, we, that's weird. we've heard. And then we miss the implications here on a heart level. The implications of this. If Jesus really was born, if this descendant of David really was born in Bethlehem, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. That something that specific that was predicted came to pass and came to pass the way it did. 
which when you start to let that sink in, then all of a sudden the angel's proclamation that so many of us have read it before, it makes more sense. Here's that angel's proclamation. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to it. This is out of Luke chapter two also. And as I'm turning here, I want to let you know, if you don't have a Bible at home, we'd love to send you home with one free today. Please take, take a copy. We keep them there on the back table. Please just take one, our gift to you. You don't have to sign anything. Don't have to tell anybody. Just uh, please, please take it as a gift. Here we go. This is out of Luke chapter two, starting with verse eight. In that same region, there were shepherds. They're out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appears to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with fear. And the angel said this, Fear not, behold, I bring you, say it with me, good news of, say it with me, great joy. This is good news of great joy. Because the one who was promised is here. Did you catch that? The one who was promised is here. This isn't another one of these rulers that's just going to rise up like a flash pan and be gone. This is not a movement that's going to get crushed when the ruler dies. One, one man, I forget who it was, he said it's more akin to when you have a dandelion and you blow it. That dead dandelion, you blow it. goes to all the world. This is good news of great joy. Christ has come. And it was news that was going to spread quickly. Let me give you a quick sneak peek where we're going with this next week because this stuff is so much fun to me. This is something we're going to look at more closely. The Bible says that God sent his son in the fullness of time. When he sent Jesus to Bethlehem, oh, this was the fullness of time. Let's go back to our, our map here. And let me, let me show you something about that. And let me set it up a little bit. God not only sent his son to the exact place where he promised, he not only sent him there, but that exact spot sits on the gateway to the emerging world. The spot where God chose to send him, maybe it's not as breathtakingly beautiful as some other sites, but it was at the intersection of the emerging world. God knew exactly what he was doing. God used a Roman proclamation to get the son of David to be born in the city of David. And when that gate came, all of this had been set up ahead of time. God used Assyria and Babylon to strategically place his people. God used Alexander the Great to unite three continents with one language. God used Rome to build infrastructure and roads and make travel possible in unprecedented ways. And from the perspective of Rome, they think, Bethlehem? Never heard of it. And when they show them on a map where it is, they go, Bethlehem? That's way over there. And if you're in Asia, if you're one of the, 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 the dynasties emerging in, in China or wherever, if someone were to point Bethlehem on a map, you'd go, Bethlehem? That's way over there. And if you were in one of the cities in Africa and someone point on a map and say, there's Bethlehem, you'd go, Bethlehem, that is way over there. But where is way over there in relation to the globe? It's at the intersection of the world. Wow. God knew what he was doing. And the good news of great joy was able to go into all the world. More on that next week. Let's press into the actual good news right now with a couple minutes we have left. This is why the angel's proclamation was good news of great joy and why it was received by millions across thousands of miles and hundreds of years. There's a place to write this in your notes. Jesus' birth in Bethlehem confirms that the ancient prophecies are being fulfilled. Jesus' birth in Bethlehem confirms that the ancient prophecies are being fulfilled. They're prophecies that are pretty specific, not just general. 
It doesn't just say that the Savior is going to come from one of the 12 tribes. The Scripture said the Savior is going to come from what tribe? Judah. And it gets more specific than that. It doesn't just say that the Savior is going to come from somebody from the tribe of Judah. It says it's going to come from the line of who? David. And it gets more specific than that. It doesn't just say that this descendant of David is going to spring up somewhere in David's country. The Bible specifies the Savior is going to come from what little dot on the map? Bethlehem. And even beyond, even beyond that, even beyond the miraculous circumstances surrounding the place of Jesus' birth, is how Jesus fulfilled what this King, this Savior was to be. Take a look at this. Jesus was the promised son of David. He was the man after God's own heart. There's never been, there will never be a person who was after God's own heart like Jesus. He was the good shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep, who came to seek and save the lost. He was the giant killer. It's one thing to take out a physical giant. He took on sin and death. He rose from the dead. And he was the king of kings. And some of you may be skeptical about uh, historical pieces of, of the Bible. I, I, I certainly was. But the more I've studied this book for myself, and the more I've not just listened to what the critics say about it, but I've actually looked into it myself. I, I don't know of a book like the Bible. This isn't just a story. This Christmas story isn't just a story. When you dig into it and you look at everything that had to happen for the Christmas story to happen, and you look at everything that happened after the Christmas story, which shouldn't have even gone anywhere, because there's so many people that popped up at that time. They just got squished. We don't even know their names. Were it not for the Bible? Something happened. Something happened. And I believe that the Bible is true when it says, God came. He came. He was Emmanuel, God with us. He sent his son. Well, the title of our message series that we've been in is called The Little Town of Bethlehem. And, and one of the great lines of that great carol is this, O come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. And what I'd love for us to do with the remaining portion of our service is to, to, to encourage you, with you, to plead with you, to make this your prayer. Will you do that this Christmas season? To not just have this be carol white noise, but will you make this a prayer? Oh, come, abide with me. You know, as Americans, especially in the last couple years, we, we forget, you know, it's almost like we're being taught that it's some great honor for God to bless us. You know, that, that we're so special and we're so, you know, all this kind of that thing. And, and we don't talk as much about, boy, why would God love us? You know? When, when I think of my own life and I think of, of the times where I knew something was wrong and I did it anyway. And I think about the other times where I wanted to do what was right and I fell short. And then, you know, you read about who God really is. We read not only just of his love, but we read of his holiness. Why would God want to abide with us? And why would God want to abide with us so much that he would send his son into the world to die for us? To show us the full extent of his love. 
it is, it's not some obligation on God's part. It is a privilege that God would want to abide with us. Will, will you let him? Will you let him be those things that, that he came to be? You know, will you let him be in you a spirit that is after God's own heart? Will you receive that spirit of Christ? And will you say, God, God, would you give me your heart and give me your mind? Would you receive him that way? And, and pray literally that, God, would you give me your heart? Would you give me your mind? And, and, and the shepherd piece. You know, I, there's so many of us. The temptation in America is to go do our own thing and say, God, bless me. And, and think of that through the shepherd lens. We're a, a sheep and we've wandered off to dangerous places and we're wandering where there's no real water, no real food. And then we're like, God, bless me over here. What do you mean by that? Would you take this Christmas season to say, God, would you be my shepherd? And if I'm in a dark place, don't just bless me where I'm at. Show me where I should go. And, and, and don't just bless me where I'm at. Lord, tell me if it's time for me. If, if I'm in a place of green pastures, maybe you're going to call me out of my comfort zone. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to put all chips all in? If you say go, I'll go. Is he your shepherd? And the giant killer. If you just take a moment, just take a second right now. What, what giants are you facing? Are you willing to allow the spirit that fell upon David, the spirit that, that embodied Christ, are you willing to say, Holy Spirit, fill me so I can, I can face that giant? Not in my own power, but in your power. And then King of Kings. Are you willing to say, hey, God, you're on the throne. You make the rules. And as time goes on, if you do that, you'll learn they're good rules. Are you willing to do that? That's what's all, all that and more is embedded in that one little line. So let me pray that God's going to descend on us and enable us to engage him through these songs now. Father, Holy Spirit, come. Come and abide with us right now. Father, we pray that you'll speak to our minds and our hearts. If you're not our shepherd, if you're not our king, if we're not trusting you with the giants, if we're letting our hearts take us to all kinds of places where they shouldn't go, would you let us know that right now? And then would your spirit descend on us and enable us to turn to you and to receive you fresh and new once again this season. Anoint this worship team. Anoint them. And then give us ears to hear, hearts to receive, mouths to proclaim. In Jesus' name.